Now can you, there, there you go. See, there's a difference. We all take for granted how easy it is. This is Russ does this every week, and he just doesn't, doesn't even think about it, right? All right, well, now you can actually hear me. Okay, so anyway, so here we are. Um, it's another day together, and, and I just want to say something uh, immediately. That uh, good morning, first of all, to our, all those online who are with us this morning, because I, you can kind of tell that about 85% of our church they're still watching us online, and that's probably going to go on for a while. Um, that's you know that's probably about 400 households. That's you know not people, but 400 households. And so there are a lot of people who are out there wherever you are, and you're watching us this morning, and you're joining in this worship today with us. So welcome all of you. And, and I, so, you know, we're, we've been in this thing. Who would have thought, and I know you probably hear this a lot, who would have thought we would have been, this started what, back in February, March and five, six months in, there's still really right now, it's just no end in sight to this change that has happened to our society. And so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of unknown out there, but what we, I guess the thing that I've been thinking a lot about, I know you probably have too, is what can we, what should we learn from this, Right. I mean, I have to think, something this big, this, you know, all-consuming to our, our life and society, you have to learn from this, right? There are some lessons that we, we must learn. And so, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've done a lot of self-reflection. You probably have, too, just kind of looking out there, just seeing, you know, what, what things are really important. And some of the things we've discovered really aren't that important, you know, in light of some of the things that we've experienced, right? So... That's, a, that's an important question. So what are we going to learn from this thing, right? So I think one thing that, that we probably all have faced and have dealt with, and by the way, i, I got to apologize. There's no big clock back there, so uh, I have no idea how long I'm taking here, but hang in there with me, all right? But, oh, there it is. The clock's back. But anyway, so I, I got two questions, I guess, that I want you to think a lot about this morning while I talk to you, okay? I, I want you to think about... First one, first one is this. As we've been in isolation, many of us, and some of us may not have been out much at all since March. Um, you know, certainly depending on your age, you're, you're obviously you're very reluctant to get out right now. And, and like I said, right now there doesn't seem much of an end in sight. But there are a couple of questions I want us to think about, okay, in this series. And I'm going to tell you real quick in just a second how we got here with this series. But, but this is really important. I think we've all been asking this question, who are the people in your life who are really for you. Well, I mean, you've, you, know, you may have found out who those people are, maybe who those people aren't, okay? But who are the people in your life who are really for you? I mean, these are the people who are taking the time to reach out, to encourage you, just to check on you. Maybe they're helping you get groceries. Maybe they're, whatever it is. And I, I think if we all think about it, we, we know who are those people in our life who are really for us. I mean, they're in our corner, they're for us. Well, we can't look at it just from that side, okay, because it's just too important that there's another view of that, and that's the next one that I want you to think about. So it's not always just about me or about us, but also about others. So how can you show people you are for them? We need people who are for us. You know, we need to know there are people in our corner, the people that are there for us. But also, what are the opportunities and who are we there for? And I, th I think that's, that's an, a crucial question because we, ca we can't just consume. We also have to give because it's so important, right? Because, I mean, that's what Jesus taught us. He taught us all about giving. And I'm not talking about physical giving of, like, money, but, I mean, just giving of ourselves. 
And so, so that's a really important question. We can't miss this part as well. So how can you show people you are for them? All right, so let me tell you a couple of stories. First of all, why are we doing this series? And I know Russ, he talked a little bit about it last week. And he kind of introduced it a little bit. But, you know, our staff has been going through this, this book by Jeff Henderson, you know, Know, know What You're For. And, and you know, I discovered this book at the end of last year, I think. And, I, you know, Jeff Henderson somebody that I knew of. He, he preaches at Gwinnett Church. And it's kind of northeast of Atlanta. And uh, I've, I've been following his church because I really, they're doing some really interesting things. And, but anyway, Jeff wrote a book. And it's called Know What You're For. And so we started doing this together as a staff because it's really, it's, it's kind of a business book in a way because he's a, you know, a former business executive with Chick-fil-A. But he, he, it's written somewhat from a business perspective, but it's completely adaptable and apply, applicable to church. And he does talk a lot about that. And, you know, like, for example, I mean, come on, you know the businesses, the restaurants, the retail, the ones that are really for you and the ones that aren't, right? So, I mean, you, you know, when you go somewhere and, and you, it's obvious that this business or this place has forgotten, they're so used to being behind the counter, they forget what it's like being in front of the counter, you know? And, and frankly, we don't love those places because <laughs> they don't serve us well. They don't seem to care about you, you know, those kinds of things. And so, but, but as Christians and as in the church, uh, is it really any different? You know, are we, are we so used to being behind the counter, behind the scenes, doing the things that we love to do and we're so used to that we've forgotten what it's like to be in front, to be, to be new, to be searching, to be a guest? All right, so, so that's kind of how we got here as far as this series, and so... What I want to talk to you about is, is how can we be for each other, All right? There'll be a different, you know, viewpoint of this next week and then the next, but this week, what do you think about how can we be there for each other, all right? So here's the second story, and this one I'm going to read to you. Uh, um, how many, I don't know, do any of you guys like awards? Do, you, do you, anybody watch the Academy Awards, the ESPYs, those kinds of things? Anybody like to watch that stuff? I, I really don't, but a lot of people do. I mean, they watch these things. There is an awards that, that you may not have heard of. Anybody ever heard of the Darwin Awards? You ever heard of those? Anybody? <laughs> of course, James. <laughs> I'm not surprised James has heard of this because you're an interesting guy, just like me. I, I, I've heard of them, but what's unique about the Darwin Awards is they give awards out to, uh, I guess, these people who excel in risk-taking and stupidity. I mean, that's, that's what the awards are for. Now, sadly, a lot of these award winners, unfortunately, because of their act of stupidity, they are no longer with us, all right? So it's, it's kind of weird. But, so there actually is something called the Darwin Award. So let me, let me tell you about this guy. All right, so 1982, Los Angeles, California, right? Here's the, I'm reading from the news story of the time. 1982, Los Angeles, Larry Walters, his boyhood dream was to fly. But fates conspired to keep him from his dream, so he joined the Air Force. But his poor eyesight disqualified him from the job of pilot, which is what he really wanted to be. So after he was discharged from the military, he sat in his backyard watching jets fly overhead. So he hatched, here it goes, he hatched his weather balloon scheme 
while sitting outside in his extremely comfortable Sears lawn chair. So he purchased 45 weather balloons from an Army-Navy surplus store. He tied them to his tethered lawn chair. He dubbed it the Inspiration One. And he filled the four-foot diameter balloons with helium. So then, armed with some sandwiches and a pack of Miller Lite and a pellet gun. Now, the pellet gun's important. He strapped himself into his lawn chair. He figured he would shoot to pop a few of the mini balloons when it was time to descend. All right, so, so Larry planned to sever the anchor and lazily float it you know, to a height of about 30 feet. Okay, 30 feet, I don't know, was that about the height of this roof here, something like that? So 30 feet above his backyard, where he would enjoy a few hours of flight before coming back down. But surprisingly, things didn't work out quite as Larry planned. So when his friends cut the cord, anchoring the lawn chair to his Jeep, he did not float lazily up to 30 feet. Instead, he streaked into the L.A. sky as if shot from a cannon. <laughs> Pulled by the lift of 45 helium weather balloons holding 33 cubic feet of helium each. You ever seen a weather balloon? They're huge, right? These aren't just little birthday balloons. He didn't level off at 100 feet, nor did he level off at 1,000 feet. After climbing and climbing, he leveled off at 16,000 feet. Okay, that's half the height of Mount Everest. <laughs> he's he's 16,000 feet up in the air in a lawn chair. <laughs> I mean, you know? So at that height, he felt he couldn't risk shooting any of the balloons. I get it. Lest he unbalance the load and, and really find himself in trouble. So he stayed there. Drifting cold and frightened with his beer and sandwiches for more than 14 hours. This is a real story. I'm not making this up. This is not a preacher's story. He crossed the primary approach corridor of LAX where he started, where were startled Transworld Airlines and Delta airline pilots all started with the same thing. You're not going to believe this in reports of the strange sight. So eventually he gathered to the nerve to shoot a few balloons and slowly descended the hanging tethers, they tangled and got caught in a power line, blacking out a Long Beach neighborhood for about 20 minutes. And Larry climbed to safety, where he was arrested by waiting members of the LAPD. And as he was led away in handcuffs, a reporter dispatched to cover the, the daring rescue asked him, Larry, why did you do this? And Larry's, he just replied nonchalantly, a man can't just sit around, right? I mean, so he won the Darwin Award for a ridiculously crazy and not so smart thing. So that's what he said. He said, a man can't just sit around. So he may not be the, he's probably not the sharpest knife in the knife block, but he did have some wisdom to share with the rest of us. I mean, what he says actually is pretty important. So let me ask you, so what have you learned so far in 2020. I mean, we've all said, man, I just want it to go away. I just want, I want 2020 to be gone. I want to see it in the rearview mirror, right? Uh, but it's, it's here, and it's here for a while longer. But I think one thing we did learn, I think one thing we learned is that church meant something very different than we thought it was. I mean, we were used to, for too many of us, church was, was mostly this, 
what we're doing right now, right? We gather together and we, we worship to songs we love or may not love. We, you know, we hear our favorite speaker. We, you know, we take communion. We have Sunday school. We have classes. We have children's ministry, student ministry. I mean, these are the things that, that for many of us, that's, that's what we thought church was, right? It was, it was mainly Sundays. That was like the big thing. Well, I think we discovered, going through all this, we discovered that maybe that's not really what it was because it was all as we knew it was over. I mean, you know, we, we haven't had church like we were used to in six months. Very likely, we may not until 2021. So what we learned is church may not exactly be what we thought it was. And we also discovered, too, that, that we discovered the community needed the church now more than ever. Because as people spent more time alone and were more isolated alone, what we discovered, too, was that, that people were lonely. They were isolated. We found out some marriages started struggling. People started losing their jobs. And then our society just seemed like it exploded. So that's, that's kind of what we've been dealing with, Right? And that's where those two questions that I asked at the beginning is so important. You know, who is really for you? And who are you really for? So, let me tell you about this. I want to tell you about this story about Jesus. There's a story that happens with Jesus in John chapter 4. And this story is he meets with a woman who's come to get a drink. He's on his way north from, from the south, heading north up to Galilee. And he stops. He's thirsty. He's walking. And so he finds this well, and he wants to get a drink. And there just happens to be a woman there who also is there at that time. Um, so if, if you want it, you can go and follow with me, or you can read it on here with me. John chapter 4, and we'll start in about verse 10. So Jesus answered, she, you know, she, he met this woman and she wanted a drink, right? She was thirsty. And so Jesus answered her and he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? I mean, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, well, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. So the woman said to him, sir, well, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Sir, the woman said, I can, I can see that you're a prophet. Because Jesus, right before this, had, had said something about the many marriages that she had had. And she said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time's coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jew. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. And for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes... He will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. 
So Jesus had this interesting encounter, and I, I want you to know about three things that I want you to think and know about this story. And that's all I want to say to you. All right, I want you to hear this. Jesus did not see this woman as, you know, as a woman. He didn't see her as a Samaritan. Because Jews and Samaritans, they did not interact and they didn't engage with each other. All right? But, but Jesus, he showed that he was really for her in, in three ways. Uh, Henderson, who wrote the book that I'm talking about, calls these soft skills. There were three soft skills that Jesus used with this woman to show her that he was for her. So as I talk about these three things, I want to ask you and I want you to be thinking, how am I doing on my soft skills? Because these are needed so much, more probably now than we've ever known in our life. Okay? So the first, first thing that Jesus used was kindness. I mean, he just extended kindness to this woman. He had an engagement with her and an interaction. And like I say, he didn't see her as a woman. He didn't see her as a Samaritan. He didn't see her as a Samaritan woman, which at that time was even worse. He just didn't see her that way. Jesus saw her as, as a child of God who needed to find him. I mean, that's, that's how Jesus saw her. And, and today, guys, honestly, we all want to be known. We all want to be seen. We all want to be heard. And Jesus, he takes the time to see us, to know us, to hear us, and to be with us. Jesus takes the time to do that. And so, as he extended kindness to this woman, I mean, he, he, he showed her a love that she'd probably never known. And let's face it, guys. I mean, today, I don't know, you've heard this before, but don't we need some kindness I mean, it's, it's depressing to see that, you know, what this pandemic has brought out that has been in the hearts of so many. I mean, it's stress. You know, it's things like that. And maybe we're in a situation we're just not used to and don't know how to react. But the reality is our world needs kindness. And I would say this, if, if you're one of those people who are interacting personally, online, or wherever it is, if you're part of the problem, and let's be honest, many of us really are part of the problem. Maybe we should explore, explore the other side, the opposite side of that, of being part of the solution. Because unkindness is not what any of us need. We need kindness. And Jesus showed her kindness. And we need more of it. So the next thing that he showed her was was hopefulness. He didn't, he didn't just, it's kind of funny. She says, you know, she said, hey, can you tell me how to get a drink or where to get a drink? And then Jesus starts going into all this, you know, telling about all this teaching and about who he is and about all that stuff. And I, on some level, I would think that the woman's probably going, hey, dude, I, I, was, I just wanted a drink, you know. <laughs> all I wanted was a drink, you know. And, but Jesus said, well, what you, what you think you need is not really what you need. I mean, she thought she just needed a drink, and, and yes, she did. She needed a drink of water physically, but Jesus, he saw through that. He knew that there's more to what she needed than just a drink of water. Because, see, Jesus, we get stuck in this life mode so much, right? 
I mean, we get so stuck in this life mode as though everything that we're doing and living and experiencing is the most important thing in the world. And I'm here to tell you, it's not that it's unimportant. It's, it is. It matters that you're suffering. It matters that you're struggling. It matters that you need people. Absolutely. But we get the idea that, that this life, and this, that this is it, you know, and, and this is the most important thing in life. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 you, you got it all wrong. You've got to see further. You've got to see better that there's more than just here. There's more than just this life mode. Yeah, you physically want a drink of water, but what you really need is, is you need a drink of Jesus. <laughs> you need a drink of, of hope. You need hopefulness. And Jesus extended hopefulness to them. And I, this reminded me of a, of a particular group of people in this church. Real quick, that I just want to tell you about before I tell you this last one. Um, when I was thinking of hopefulness, it made me think about our, our Campus Shepherd team. Now, if, you're not, if you don't remember who they are or what they are, this Campus Shepherd team, they've been around for about a year. And this team, their sole purpose is to be encouragers, uh, to check in on the family. You know, when people, when we hear, hear that people are struggling or people need help or they just need someone to pray for them or contact them, that's what this team does. And these are, these are caregivers. These are people who we were chosen for obvious reasons because they're, that's what they do. They're good at it. And that's where their heart is. And so, and I, honestly, I don't even know if those on our Campus Shepherd team and if you're watching right now or if you're listening right now, even realize the difference that you have made in a year. Because I feel like in so many ways, and hey, I'm not at all saying we've arrived, we're perfect. I'm just saying I don't think we've done, in many ways, a better job of caring for people than we have just in this past year. And it's largely in part because of these people. And I want to tell you something. So, so these guys are hope givers. And I'll say this, and you guys know this is true. Encouragement, it's never small when you're on the receiving end of it. Right? When you're on the receiving end of encouragement, it's never not a big deal. And you know what? Most of the time, it's just a text. Maybe it's just an email. Maybe it's a call. Maybe it's a personal whatever. But I'm telling you, that encouragement, that contact, that is life-changing for a lot of people. It just, you know, it's, it's like this woman with Jesus. He realized she just needs to know that there's something greater that he is bringing that she needs. And she just needs to know that somebody cares. Somebody notices her and realizes that she's there. That's, that's really what she needed. The last thing that Jesus offered to her was helpfulness. Listen, we can't, we can't just use words and, you know, and, and just talk about kindness or talk about hopefulness. We can't just use words with those things. We have to back all of this up with action, right? If we don't do something as a result of what we learn all right, and what we hear, then is it really doing any good? So, so Jesus, he didn't stop there. He didn't just tell her, you know, these great things about, this, about the Messiah, and that he's the Messiah, and, and all that kind of stuff. What he did was he, he engaged her in a conversation and made sure she understood, you know, that living water that you're looking for, the water that lasts so you'll never thirst again spiritually, right? He said, here's your answer. And Jesus said the answer was him. And he's just saying, follow me. Do what I do. Do what I say. And you will have the living water that you're looking for. And you will never be thirsty again. And it took her a while to get past the idea of just drinking a drink of water. But at some point, she got it. Because after this story, she rushes home. She tells everybody who he was and what happened. 
And, and it says later on that many, many from that town started following Jesus because of her testimony. So Jesus didn't just use words to make her feel good or just kind of give her some philosophy. Jesus told her who he was and what to do. And what to do is, first of all, he was the one that she was looking for. He's the one that we are looking for. But he also, he, he showed her, hey, I am for you. And I want you to understand that. Jesus is telling us, I am for you. But with that in, in, in mind, that means you and I, we have to be there for others. So who are you there for? Right? So I can't, I can't close any better than what Jesus said. And he said in John chapter 15, I want you to go there with me for just a second. Um, and I can't say it better than he did. Can you go to that next slide, John 15? There you go. Nope. All right, hang on. We'll do it this way. Um, let me get over to it real quick. All right. John chapter 15, verse 9. Here's what Jesus said. And this is what I want to close with. I want you to hear this this morning. All right. Jesus showed us he is for us by calling us his friends. So as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in me, in my love. And if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And this is my command. Love each other. I can't say it better than Jesus. And that's, that's what I want to say to you as, you as you leave this morning. Is to love one another. So, think on those two questions, right? Who in your life is really there for you? And then who are you really there for? But we can know this, guys. We can know this, that God is for us. And make no mistake about that. God is for us. And just like the uh, modern prophet Larry Walters said, remember, we can't just sit around. There's too much to be done, too much to care. We need to be there for each other. So that's what I want you to think about today, all right? Guys, I want you to keep that in mind because it's so important. And now, so as we kind of close this morning, let me remind you, it's a much better day today out there than last Sunday. The weather is awesome, other than it's really hot, but it's clear and beautiful. So that means there are food trucks. And so the food trucks are going to be over by the pavilion. And we encourage you to go out there. Like I said, they should already be out there ready to go. They'll be here till about 1230. So uh, get something. You're, you're welcome to eat it here in the uh, hangout in the drive-in, which is down on that end of the building. You're welcome to eat there. Pick it up. Take it home. 
Whatever you want to do. We have Grubs on Hubs today and Rizzo's Tacos and Hattie Jane's Creamery. All right, so we've got, got some options. So I want to encourage you to go out and do that and enjoy some time together. And, uh, and I just want to say to you, thank you so much. Uh, just thank you so much for your patience. And I want you to know we are praying for you. We really are. We're praying for all of you. And, and I just want to say, reach out to someone, text somebody, be there for somebody. Start today. It's easy. Just pick up the phone, write a, write a, a, a nice text, and just bless somebody today. We all need that so much. See you guys next week.